uh, John Forsey was going to do what he did and uh, ask him for testimonies and so forth. And uh, so I did not uh, take that into consideration in putting this message together. So if we, uh, if we go a little past noon this, mor this morning and uh, your, your roast gets just a little bit crispy on the outside, they're actually better that way with a little crust on there. But if we go a little, it's not because I'm long-winded, it's because John Forsey is, so <laughs> blame it on him. Uh, one of the things that uh, is part of, of Christmas for many, many folks is the, the matter of visiting. Uh, some of you are here visiting with family for Christmas. We're glad that you're here. Welcome to the Borsmans. Good to have you here. Glad your hand is, is healed up. Uh, some of us will be going to visit family, visit friends, things like that. Sometimes we just do some visiting uh, around where we live and go see friends and so forth. Uh, Paul and Lois Keoshan, they came home from Florida, if you can imagine that, to visit their family for Christmas. Just uh, came back for a little while. So visiting plays a, a, a big role, but it played a huge role in the first Christmas. In fact, the certain and dependable record of Luke 1 and 2 gives the pertinent details of five very significant visits that occurred in connection with the birth of the Savior, the visit that stands above all others. We took a look at look, Luke chapter 1 over the last couple of weeks, and we saw how there were some prenatal visits from the angel Gabriel to uh, Zacharias and to Mary to predict the birth of John the Baptist and then the Lord Jesus himself. We saw that Gabriel was actually the messenger of God in, in carrying out this exercise and announcing these births. He announced that uh, John the Baptist was going to come as the vanguard, the forerunner before the Messiah, and he made it ex exceptionally clear to Mary that she was going to give birth to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, while she was still a virgin. So these, verse, the, these visits from Gabriel were extremely important. But as we get over to Luke chapter 2, we see first also a, a providential visit that takes place to the city of Bethlehem. If you have your Bibles, join me in Luke chapter 2, and we read starting in verse 1, very familiar passage of Scripture. It says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered for taxation purposes. This census first took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to, his, to be registered, everyone to his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. We find as we read this passage of Scripture that God worked uh, providentially in amazing fashion through a Roman emperor to get Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem at just the right time. God worked in the lives of Mary and Joseph to, to get them to the right place at the right time. 
And this was all done to fulfill the prophecy that had been given back in the book of Micah that, that laid out very clearly that the Messiah King was going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea and that the one who was going to be born there was going to be one who has no beginning. His goings forth were from of, of old. So we find that, uh, that that prophecy had to be fulfilled. There's a slight problem with, with the, that Mary uh, faced as far as the baby being born in Bethlehem, and that's the fact that she lived in Nazareth, up in the northern part of Israel, an area of Galilee, and that was about 75 miles away from Bethlehem. How, how's she going to get there at the right time? Well, God orchestrated it. God used a, a, a Roman emperor. God used the, the working in, in the lives of Joseph and Mary and uh, got them to there just, just exactly the right time. And in doing so, God demonstrated his sovereignty by using the most powerful ruler on earth at that time, Caesar Augustus, to get Mary to Bethlehem in time for Jesus' birth. Caesar Augustus' first name was originally Octavian. He was a nephew uh, of Julius Caesar. And when, when he took over as the, the ruler in Rome, the, uh, the Roman center, sent, Senate gave him the name Augustus, which means magnificent, uh, awesome, powerful. And so that, that's the title that he carried to the, to the end of his days as he ruled for about 42 years. But I'll tell you what, in this passage of Scripture, we see who's awesome. We see who mag, who's magnificent. We see who's splendid. We see who's in control. We see who's sovereign. And it's the God of the universe who works through the, this, this Roman emperor's desire to get some more tax revenue. He's interested in money. He's interested in taxes. And God's interested in salvation. And God's interested in getting the Messiah into the world at just the place that had been prophesied 700 years before through the prophet Micah. And, and God's will is carried out perfectly. And uh, we also find that there's this passage talks to us about a kind of a perplexing or a surprising visit as well. Picking it up in verse 8, after the, the baby's born, wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger, you move away from out of the city and into the country. And it says, now there were, verse 8, in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, and literally with men to men who, with whom God is pleased. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen 
as it was told to them. First thing we find here that, that makes the visit perplexing is you find angels, an angel visiting lowly shepherds to announce the, the Messiah's birth. Uh, these shepherds are out in the field watching over their sheep at night, which probably indicates that Jesus was not probably born in Bethlehem, or not born in December. Uh, more likely his birth probably took place in the springtime because it was pretty cold uh, in December in Israel, just like it's cold here in, in, in December. And so it would have been unlikely that shepherds would have been staying out in the field with the sheep. They would have brought them in for the, the winter months. But at any rate, uh, as the, the amazing thing is that the angel it comes to these shepherds. Shepherds were in the, the low position in Jewish society. And they're the first ones told of Jesus' birth. And not only do they get told of that the birth is going to happen, they also are told that they can go and see this, this Messiah King that's born in Bethlehem, this Savior who was born to them. Now, the angel comes with demonstrating all the splendor of God. We're told that the glory shone around the shepherds, and they were frightened as a result of it. But the angel had come from the very presence of God to deliver this message to these lowly shepherds. And we find that the, the, the glory appears, and then later on when the whole uh, host of angels comes to kind of confirm the message and rejoice and praise God for what he was doing and sending the Messiah, we find tremendous glory being seen. As far as the message that the, the angel brought, the uh, first thing he had to do is calm their fears. You know, a lot of times in Scripture when you see uh, God appearing to men or, or the angel of the Lord or one of God's angels appearing and demonstrating God's glory, people tend to react in fear. I, I think that's just part of the fact that, that men are sinners. And, and when you see any kind of the glory of a holy and majestic God, it's kind of an overwhelming thing. So the first thing the angel does is said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I've got good news for you. And it's going to be good news, not just for you, but it's going to be good news for everybody. Now, sometimes there, there, there's news that's good for one person, but not necessarily good for everybody else. Uh, a lot of us are enjoying the weather forecasts that come out and tell us it's going to be in the, the 40s and the 50s and things like that. We say, great, that's wonderful, especially if you've got to travel and you want dry roads and no snow and ice and, and things like that. On the other hand, if you own a sugar beet processing company, and you've got sugar beets piled all over the place, and the warm weather is threatening to, to rot some of them where they stand. That's not so great. But, but the angel tells the shepherds, we've got good news for everybody. Uh, good news for every country. Good news for every nation. Good news for every race. Good news for every single person. And the good news is there's a Savior born. And that's why it's good news for everybody. Because guess what? Everybody needs a Savior. Every one of those shepherds needed a Savior. Everyone in Israel needed a Savior. Everyone in the world today needs a Savior because we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God and we're facing the wages of sin, which is death. Not just physical death but also eternal death, which is separation from God forever and ever and ever. But there's good news. There's a Savior. You know you've fallen short of what God would have you to do. You know you're not perfect. You know you've rebelled against Him. You've got guilt for things you've done in your life. Good news for everybody in here and everybody not in here. 
there is a Savior that was born on this glorious evening that we're talking about here that's described in this passage of Scripture. Verse 12 goes on and says, not only is the Savior born, but you can go to Him. And in fact, you're expected to go to Him. The, the Savior is Christ, the Lord. This Savior is the Messiah that had been promised throughout the Old Testament ages. And He is Lord. He's God. That's what that term Lord meant as the angel spoke it. This Savior is God Himself. He's a fulfillment of prophecy from the Old Testament. And He's God Himself. And you can go see Him. You're expected to go see Him. You'll find Him. And when you find this Savior who is God himself, you're going to see a baby. A perplexing visit, huh? You're going to see this Savior. You're going to see the Savior who's God in the flesh, and he is a, he's a baby. You know, there's a number of perplexing features that stand out here. First of all, uh, well, we see the worship. Don't skip. Whoop, we lost it. Okay, there's another slide someplace that, that tells you what the perplexing features of this visit are, are all about. First of all, the fact that an angel of God would appear to shepherds, you know, not, not, not King Herod, not if the, uh, the, the Sanhedrin, not to the Jewish religious leaders, but to shepherds. Well, yeah, that's God's plan. And really, when we see that angels come, the angel comes to shepherds and, and give this message about a Savior to shepherds, I don't know if that helps you or not, but it sure helps me. You know, the, the person on the lowest rung of society had this Savior born for him. The person on the lowest rung of society can come to this Savior and receive forgiveness. Yeah, the angel came to shepherds. Yeah, God sent his messenger to, to shepherds. And, and we find that that's what it's all about. Uh, we find that, that the shepherds could have access to this wonder child. It's also amazing. You know, you might expect that they would hear that the Messiah, the Savior King, is born, and he's in the palace in Jerusalem. Well, that'd be like somebody telling you and me, yeah, the, the Savior's born, and, and he's in the White House. Uh, you and I aren't going to get into the White House. We don't have access to the White House. And by the way, the Savior's never been born in the White House. And the Savior will never inhabit the White House. I don't care what party you have in there. Uh, the only Savior for the world that there ever has been and ever will be is the one who was born in Bethlehem stable almost 2,000 years ago. We find that uh, that's not the, the other perplexing thing. This Savior, this Messiah, this guy is going to be a baby. It's going to be a baby. How, how could that be? That, that, that God would save mankind, and he starts it out by coming into the world as a baby. You know, I, I can handle Revelation 19, where you see God the Son, Jesus, coming back at the, uh, at the end of the tribulation period, and he comes back on a, in splendor and with his army behind him, and he comes in, in power. But to think about God coming as a baby? Well, he had to. Because he had to be a virgin-born, sinless baby that could grow into manhood in order to be an acceptable Savior to die on the cross for you and me. 
And, and here's the other thing. Not only is he a, a baby, but this Savior, he said, you'll find him laying in a manger. That's how the shepherds are going to recognize him. So this will be a sign to you. You're going to find him. He's going to be wrapped in swaddling clothes. That wasn't the sign. Everybody back then wrapped their kids in swaddling clothes. It, it helped keep them straight and strong and made them feel secure. In fact, uh, there, there's, I think, a new push for swaddling now of infants when, when they're born. But that wasn't the sign. Here's the sign. That this Savior who's born to you, who is Christ the Lord, you're going to find him laying in a manger. That's the sign. And what a perplexing thing that God, the Savior, would become a child who would be laid in a, in a not even a, not even a crib, not even a normal infant bed for those days, but in a, a feed trough, feed trough. After that, the angels uh, meet with the, the other angel in the sky, and, and we find they're praising God and ascribing to the Lord the, the glory that he deserves. And and claims that through this child that there's going to be peace on earth with those with whom God is pleased. That's a better translation than what we have in the old King James, which says peace on earth, goodwill to men. fact of the matter is if you're not right with God, you're not going to have any peace. You're not going to have peace in this world. You're not going to have peace for eternity because the first thing we need is to be made at peace with God, and we find it's only the Lord Jesus that can do that. And we've got to come to the place we put our faith and our trust in him to be our Savior in order to have that peace. We find the shepherds believe what the angel had to say strongly enough that they, uh, they made the trip to Bethlehem. They were out in the country region around Bethlehem someplace, but they came right to the village itself. And lo and behold, when they get there, they found Mary, they found Joseph, and then they saw this amazing baby laying in the maid. By the way, the baby didn't have a halo around his head. Uh, you know, you realize a lot of the pictures you see and things like that, they show a, a halo around the, the, the baby. Uh, Isaiah chapter 53 said he had no former comeliness that we should desire. There was nothing about Jesus' physical appearance that marked him out as being God. Now, at the transfiguration, that was seen. After his resurrection, some saw him in his glory. And we will see him one day in his glory. But when he was born in that, that stable and laid in that manger, he looked like any other baby. Couldn't have told him by his appearance. But the shepherds, the shepherds had the testimony of the angel. So when they saw that baby, they, they knew that, yeah, this is Christ. He's the Lord. He's the Savior that those angels were talking about. And they, they believed what they heard. They, as they, they come there, they're the first ones that have the opportunity to worship Jesus. Later on, the wise men come, but here the shepherds are the first ones. Uh, from the lowest dregs of society, the shepherds can come to the Lord Jesus. And because they believe, if they hadn't believed the message, they wouldn't ever come to Bethlehem. And I'll tell you what, no matter where you're at in society, no matter where you're at as far as morally in your life or, or, or with sin in your life, if you'll believe the gospel message that Christ wants to be your Savior and you'll repent of your sin, that there's nobody too low, nobody too small, but what they can be saved by the blood that this infant would shed later on when he grew to manhood on the cross of Calvary. We find that uh, as the shepherds leave, 
wherever they went, whoever they saw along the streets of Bethlehem, they, they got a theology lesson. Or they got a birth announcement. You know, the, an angel told us that a Savior for everybody was going to be born. And that he was going to be born in Bethlehem and he'd be lying in a manger. And you know what? We found us just exactly like the angel told us about it. And it wasn't just one angel. There were a whole host of them that appeared and kind of said amen to what the first angel told us. And we went to Bethlehem and we saw it with their own eyes. And we saw him with their own eyes. There's a, the Messiah has been born. The Messiah we've been looking forward to for years. That son of David who'd been promised through the Old Testament records. He's here. He's here. As people heard the shepherds give that great news, it says that people marveled at what they said. But as for Mary, she pondered. She remembered what the angel had told her, what Gabriel had told her when the, before the child was conceived, about the fact she was going to conceive a child as a virgin. She was going to give birth while still a virgin. This one who she was going to give birth to was going to be the son of the highest. He was going to be the Savior. He was going to be the greatest among men. And she pondered all that. The shepherds then, as they go back to they had to take care of their flocks, we find it tells us they rejoiced and they praised God. Why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they? The Messiah was there. They'd been given the privilege to get to see him. And both Mary and the shepherds set an example for us. When we hear this great message of the incarnation, what should we? First thing we ought to do, we ought to ponder it like Mary. Think about that for a minute. Take a minute here at this Christmas time to think about what really happened. God became man. Does that blow you away? Blows me away to contemplate that. The God who created all things. The one who without nothing was made without him making it. He came into this world. He became a man became an infant he didn't stay an infant by the way it's not the baby Jesus that saves us it's the crucified Jesus that saves us and the risen Jesus that saves us that is a, I don't know that, that's just something amazing that God would become man in the form of a baby a helpless baby the God who made everything has to have everything done with him he has to be fed he has to be cleaned he has to be held he has to be carried wherever he's going to go this is the god of the universe that's experiencing all of that and why did it happen why did it happen it happened because god loves you god loves me he didn't want us to die in our sins because we never could have helped ourselves. We never could have worked our own way to heaven. We couldn't have been good enough. We couldn't have been religious enough to make ourselves acceptable to God. There had to be a Savior. And the angel told the shepherds, good news for everybody. There's a Savior born in the city of David who's Christ the Lord. Man, don't forget to ponder that. And not just once. Ponder it often. Remember how much God loves you. If you've never responded to this Savior and taken him to be your own Savior, Savior, you need to do that. May we follow the example of the shepherds. Believe in the incarnation. Believe in the record we have in Scripture. Go tell people what we know. 
go tell people the wonderful message that, that their Savior's been born and then rejoice and, and praise God. You know, no matter what's going on in our lives, no matter how hard it might be, even at Christmas time, Christmas is a very festive time, a very celebratory time, but you know, for a lot of people, it's a very depressing time because they got a lot of heartache in their life. A lot of difficulty, a lot of depression at Christmas time. But I couldn't help but think when Diana was singing, it's well. It's well. And uh, I, I like, I've shared with you before, Tom Harmon's definition of joy. True Christian joy is a deep-seated sense of well-being from knowing how well off we really are. Do you know how well off you really are? If you know Christ as your Savior, you are very well off. Maybe not financially, maybe not health-wise, but if you know Christ is your Savior, it's well with your soul. We have reason to rejoice. We have reason to have joy. No matter what heartache we might be facing or what difficulties come our way, we have reason to rejoice like the shepherds did and the angels did as well. We got reason to rejoice, and the whole reason we have to rejoice comes from God. We ought to praise Him. We think about the preeminent visit. The, the one that's above all. You know, it's, it's, it's great that Joseph and Mary got to Bethlehem. It's great that Gabriel came to, to Mary and came to Zacharias. But, you know, the visit, the visit is God visiting man. Uh, we find that he comes in a visit of redemption. According to Luke 1, 68, it says, Blessed the Lord God of Israel, for he's visited and redeemed his people. Thank God it's not just Israel he redeemed, but it's all who put their trust in Christ. We find it's through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring on high has visited us. We get God's mercy. We get God's redemption. And it's all because God became a man. The most important visit of all is Jesus coming as the God-man. And Psalm 8, the psalmist marvels. He says, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you're mindful of him and the Son of God that you visit him? And it goes on, actually, in the fifth verse, and it says that, but you've made him a little lower than the angels. Jesus at the incarnation actually became a little lower than the angels in his position on this earth. But then he was crowned with glory and honor. And we find the ninth verse of that psalm says, O oh Lord our God, how excellent is your name in all the earth. The greatest visit of all, one that Christmas is all about, is God becoming a man. When you consider the stars, you consider the heavens, God made all those things. Who am I? That God cares about me. Who am I that, that, that God became a man so that he could redeem my wretched soul so that I could spend eternity with him in heaven? I, I can't get a hold of that. Just, just blows your mind. But that's how awesome the love of God really is. Why did he do that? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him will not perish, but of everlasting life. I hope you can thank God.
that he visited this earth in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to become your Savior. He visited earth for our redemption. And when he died on the cross at Calvary, we were in his mind. We, we were in his heart. He was dying for our sin. And a couple questions to close with. Do you appreciate his visit? Do you really appreciate what the Lord did for you and leaving the throne of heaven behind for the manger of Bethlehem and eventually the cross of Calvary? And in connection with that, what's Jesus mean to you? I hope you can say today that he's your Savior and he's your Lord and that you love him. And that's what it's all about. Uh, the, the, the shepherds had to respond to the message that they heard. We need to respond when we consider who this child, this Christ child is, who he was. He came to be our Savior, to redeem us from our sin. And I pray that each one here this morning is trusting him, loving him, serving him, putting him first in all that's in our life. Good news for everyone. Unto you today in the city of David is born a, what was born? Who was born? A Savior. A Savior. Now, if you know you how much you need a Savior, you appreciate that. You think you're pretty good just the way that you are. You didn't really need a Savior. You, you, you don't get it. You just don't get it. But if you know how desperately you needed God's forgiveness, God's redemption, you appreciate that. Savior who is Christ the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you today that Jesus was willing to leave the throne of heaven, come into this world to seek and to save that which is lost, us. Thank you he was willing to come to to serve and to give his life a ransom for many, a ransom for us. Lord, I pray that somehow as we read these passages of Scripture that we would have a great appreciation for who you are, for who our Savior, the Lord Jesus, is and what he did for us. And I pray that each Christian here, Lord, would, would just appreciate that anew and be recommitted in the way that we live for you and walk in your light and serve you. And, Lord, if there's anybody with us today that's never trusted Christ as their Savior, I pray first you help them see they need a Savior, that Jesus is that Savior, and they put their trust in him today. We pray in the Savior's name. Amen. Let's take your hymnals once.